right. Well, we are in a series called uh, Danger Expectations Ahead. And what we've been talking about is this idea of how damaging expectations can be. And you expect something to happen and it doesn't happen. It diminishes gratitude. Um, it, uh, I mean, we all have them. We all have expectations. And so when you got up this morning, you expected your car to start. You probably didn't think about it, but you expected it to start. Lisa's car broke down last night uh, at uh, like nine, and uh, it's sitting in a car lot somewhere, and so probably doesn't have its tires on anymore, but uh, we didn't expect that. And so we expected that car to keep running and running and running. You expected maybe this morning uh, when you got out of bed that your back would be in alignment and you'd be okay. And all of a sudden you get up, you sneeze, your back's out, and you're like, man, I didn't expect that. I expected to be healthy. But we all have expectations. The problem is, is that expectations, if not kind of uh, uh, taken under control, they're AA calls them premeditated resentments, that, that you, you, you have these expectations for people, and especially in relationships, especially if you're in a marriage and you live with this person, if you don't verbalize your expectations, bitterness can set in. You'll sit around, you'll go, man, I expected him to take out the trash every Thursday. Well, if he doesn't know that, <laughs> right, then, then, then there, there can be uh, disruptions. They're premeditated um, resentments. Expectations also diminish gratitude. If I expect my wife to do something and then she does it, then I'm not grateful for it because, well, I expected her to do that. And, and when we have all these expectations, if you expect uh, uh, your boss to give you a raise and he does, you're like, that's right. I deserved a raise. I expected it. You, you, it diminishes uh, gratitude. And then uh, finally, expectations, uh, expectation is the root of all heartache this is attributed to William Shakespeare. Um, actually, he, William Shakespeare didn't say this, um, but it's, it's really true. Here's what William Shakespeare actually said, which sounds way smarter because he's William Shakespeare. Oft expectation fails, and most oft, there were most it promises. Isn't that cool? He's so smart. So here's what William Shakespeare is saying. Danger. Expectations ahead. Okay? He stole my line. We have to make sure we keep them under control. Now, what we're going to talk about today um, is the idea we talked la- last week about what happens when we have expectations for ourselves and, and we don't reach them. Maybe we expected to be in a career that, that didn't quite make it as far as we thought. Maybe we thought in retirement we'd have a certain lifestyle and we haven't made that. Maybe we thought by this time we'd be married or this time we'd have kids, or this time, whatever. And we talked about that last week, and just how much our expectations for us don't matter near as much or at all um, when it's juxtaposed to how God feels about us. Well, this morning, I want to flip that around a little bit and talk about what happens when God doesn't meet your expectations. What happens when you expected God to do something You expected God to act a certain way. You expected God to provide something for you, and he hasn't. Maybe you expected to hear his voice on a certain thing. Maybe you expected him to keep you out of all trouble. Well, I want to talk this morning about a guy who, for all intents and purposes, should have expected God to come through for him because he had come through for God 
over and over and over. His name's John the Baptist, and his story's incredible. It starts out even before he was born. His dad was a priest, so the whole family was faithful to God. Generations of, of uh, family members, priests, faithful. And at one time, uh, his dad, before he was born, went to the temple, and, and they would, the priests would draw, there would be lots of priests that would come to the temple, and they'd essentially draw straws to see who was going to go in the Holy of Holies. And once you went in once, you were no longer in the pool anymore to go in. And John the Baptist's dad got the straw to go into the Holy of Holies. And when he's in there, he sees an angel. Like, talk about somebody favored. Like, I've never seen an angel. That would freak me out. I'm kind of glad. So, because they always start off with, do not be afraid. So it must be fearful. Uh, it must be scary. So he sees this angel, and the angel says, you're going to have a, a son. And uh, John the Baptist's dad goes, that's, we're really old. And the angel says, because of your disbelief, you're not going to be able to talk until the son is born. Okay? So he walks out of the temple, and they're like, how is the Holy of Holies? And he's like, I can't talk, right? Well, he didn't say that. He probably had to find a piece of paper or I guess back then some papyrus or something and, uh, and write, write it down. But he can't talk until the baby's born. So you can imagine if you think you got, you got to get home first and then you got to get busy and then you got nine months. So it's like at least nine months and until, the, until the, the baby's born, that John the Baptist's dad couldn't speak. So when John the Baptist was born, they said, what's his name? And he wrote on a piece of paper, John, and all of a sudden he could talk again. Now imagine growing up from the time you were a little baby, from the time you could understand, you, that story was told about you. You're special. You're going to do great things for God. An angel talked to your dad in the Holy of Holies and said, you're special. Imagine growing up like that. And he, he takes this Nazarite vow, and in the Nazarite vow, you would have a special diet, and you'd never touch alcohol, and you'd never cut your hair. Like Bon Jovi, like a Bon Jovi priest, right? And you, you, you dressed a certain way, and you were out in the desert, and he, he would eat locusts and honey, which I guess the honey makes the locusts go down better. I, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't, certainly don't want that in my cornflakes. And so he devotes his whole life to God, taking the Nazarite vow and following through with it, having a dad who was a priest, a grandfather who was a priest, like being in that lineage. And then he, he comes out and he starts preaching this really strong word about repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. He's not backing down. He's not making it milk toast. He's not watering anything down. He's going up against the power structures that be. People love John the Baptist because he'd go right after the Pharisees who were in power. He'd call them, you brood of vipers. He was baptizing some people and the Pharisees came up to kind of see what was going on. And he, he like points at him and calls him a brood of vipers. You know, I don't, that just takes guts. I mean, he's this just strong guy. And, you know, and the Pharisees couldn't stand him, and he's devoted his life. And then it turns out he's a half-cousin to Jesus. And so they grow up together, and he ends up baptizing Jesus. Now, I've done a lot of ministry, but that would be the coolest thing in the whole wide world, to actually baptize Jesus. Man, to even just 
hold him would be, would be awesome. And so this is, this is on John the Baptist's resume. John the Baptist starts talking about Herod the Great. Herod the Great was an evil, evil person. He was the one that killed all the males to and under because he thought there was going to be a competing king. He had, he had his, uh, two of his wives murdered. He had uh, other family members. He had two of his kids murdered, which I can understand it sometimes. But uh, he, 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 he had, he, um, when he died, he knew he was dying. He captured all the important people in the city and he put him in prison. And the rule was that when he died, they were all to be executed so there would be mourning in the city on the day that he died. And they actually did that. They, they grabbed them all and they put them in prison. And when he died, they released them all. <laughs> and so there was great rejoicing when Herod the Great died. Well, one of the things Herod the Great did was he took the wife of his uh, brother and, uh, and brought her into the palace. And uh, he had this big party with a whole bunch of other important people. And his niece comes out and does a little dance. I don't know what the dance was, but apparently it was good because he said, I'll give you anything you want up to half of the kingdom. And she says, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. That's what she wants, because she talked to her mom. Her mom was a real sweetheart. Um, a wonderful family. Yeah, you thought yours was dysfunctional? Yeah, okay. Serious family of origin issues there. So this is where we pick up. When John, who was in prison because he had talked bad about Herod the Great, Heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him something. So, so what's happening is he's in prison. His disciples are visiting him, maybe bringing him food, maybe bringing him parchments to read, whatever. It's, you know, words with friends. I have no idea. But they're, they're there. And then he says, listen, man, I'm hearing about all these things about Jesus, about the miracles and everything. I need you to go talk to him and ask him one question. And the question to me is so odd Unless I put myself in John the Baptist's shoes, unless I think to myself, man, I've given up everything for this deal. I've preached about the kingdom. I've been persecuted. I've, I've lived out in the desert. I eat locusts. Like, that's what I do for God. I do everything. Now, here's the question. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? See, I don't think God was meeting John the Baptist's expectations. His expectation was that the Messiah would come, would start a military coup, would take over from the Romans, and Israel would have their nation back. That's the Messiah they were all waiting for. And Jesus is going around with a heart of compassion. Yes, he's got these signs and stuff, but it's not, it's not going like planned. He's not doing military exercises. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about repentance. He's talking about taking his yoke upon uh, you because he's gentle. And John the Baptist is like, man, I give my whole life for this. And I'm in prison. Are are you going to bust me out or not, Jesus? When you you get into that military thing, or do I need to look for someone else? Because I'm dying in here. So they go. They ask him that. Jesus says, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. Go back and report what you hear and what you see. Sometimes people ask me how I know there's a God or why do I believe in Jesus. 
And I don't, I, oftentimes I don't have a, like a really good, like the five reasons why. It's just that I've seen too much and I've heard too much. I've watched him do too much. I, I've seen him work too much in my own life. And Jesus is saying to John, listen, these testimonies, these reports, go back and tell John and specifically tell him this. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are, clean, are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. This is, John would have known this prophecy from the Old Testament. This is what the Messiah was going to bring. In other words, he's reminding John, remember John, it's not a military coup. It's the results of what's happening. And when the, your disciples get back to you, they're going to report to you, yes, we actually did see some blind men receive sight. We actually have seen the lame walk. We've seen those with leprosy being cleansed. We've seen the deaf here. We've seen the dead raised. And the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. And then Jesus adds this one little statement that I hope you take with you this week. Blessed is anyone who does uh, who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, there's a really good chance I'm not going to meet your expectations. But if you can just hang in there, if you can just stick with it a little while, you're going to be blessed. Maybe not in the way you expect, but you're going to be blessed. Some, some of you, I know your stories, those online watching, I know a lot of your stories, are in the thick of it right now, and you're going, God, what did I do wrong? Why, why is this happening to me? Why am I in this prison that, that all I was doing was the right thing? And now I'm in this situation. Maybe you're in a marriage right now and Jesus' words to you are, you can, you can hang on. You can hang on. I, I know I'm not coming the way you expect me to and in the way I could. I know his heart's not changing. I know her heart's not changing. I know, but if you could just hang on, you'll be blessed. Here's my question for you this morning. Do you want God to meet your expectations or do you want to meet God? Because in reality, at least in my own life, it's at those times of darkness, those times when I'm sitting there going, all you have to do is, and the jail door will open up and I'll tippy-toe out and then nobody will be any of the wiser and I'll move to Egypt. All you got to do is fix, listen, all I need, just I look in my bank account, $10,000, that's all I need. That's all I'm waiting for, Jesus. Just, just something like that. Just, some, just give, me, give me something. All I need is for them to be healed. And it's in those times of my life, and I know, speaking to many of you, if we can just hang on, we will meet God in those dark times. Do you want God to meet your expectations? Because here's, here's what I've noticed. My expectation for a good life or how God can work is so tiny. It's so small. It doesn't have any risk in it. It doesn't have any, it, it's comfortable. That isn't the kingdom of God. I mean, every place I read in the Bible, there, there's, there's rarely any comfort, but there's victory and there's excitement and there's joy and there's peace. And there's this full life. If I had God meet my expectations, I'd be home right now with a mint julep or whatever it is by my pool. 
which would be redone because it looks disgusting, <laughs> right? Yes. Okay, that was a bit too f- laughter there, okay? Yeah, it's, 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 it's gross. The koi pond is nice, um, but, uh, oh, wait, that is my pool. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. And so this is, this is what he's saying. Do you want to you, you have the life that you make up or the one that you meet me in? Jesus says, blessed are you if you can hang on. If you can hang on, I'm coming. It's just not going to be in the way you expect. And so Jesus' disciples turn, and they're, they're on their way out. And he says, he says to this, Jesus' disciples were leaving, and Jesus began to speak to the crowd. So they, they turn, and they're on their, on their way, and Jesus lo- looks at the crowd, and he says to them about John. What did you go to see, into the wilderness to see? When you went out to see John, what were your expectations? Like, what, what did you think was going to happen with John? You heard the stories. You, you, you've, you've seen him walking around town. What did you expect to see? And he says this, a reed swayed by the wind? Did you expect to see this weak little Read that doesn't know which way to go, and oh boy, I want to change my mind here and change my mind here. Like, no, man, this is John the Baptist. This dude was like committed. He says, If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Like John the Baptist was going to have this, these nice clothes and nice shoes and be a person in power? He's like, No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces, and I believe this is a direct shot at Herod who put him into prison. He said, then what did you go to see? What were your expectations with John? Now remember, his disciples are right here, and they're probably writing every single one of these words down like, oh man, this is good. This, see, he's talking to the crowds, but I firmly believe that Jesus that I know is actually giving a sweet message to John the Baptist. This is for John the Baptist. Dude, you're a strong man. You weren't out there just waving in the wind. You didn't take money for it and become, you know, in in some palace or something. He says, who did you go to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I'll bet you 20 camels, that when John the Baptist heard this, he was like, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. I was the prophet that brought in the Messiah. My time is done. Even when John the Baptist was uh, seeing Jesus, he says, "I, I need to decrease. I understand that. You must increase. He says this, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Dude was off the charts. And then Jesus puts this little thing in here, because he's Jesus, just so that he knows we're going to be reading this later, to like, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. <laughs> like, in other words, if you, to the extent you can adopt the kingdom of God and, and, and that into your life, that's how you measure your greatness, how you can experience Christ. He says this, and this is 
for those of you who are in a crisis right now or in a place right now where you want to give up and you don't think God's listening and because he's silent, you think he's absent and he's not. He says this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Um, it this is an NIV translation, which I usually preach out of, but the New American Standard actually has a better uh, uh, translation that that's, should say something to the effect of the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. And violent people take hold of it. In other words, hang in there. It's, it's, it's risky business. If you, if, you, if you came into the kingdom of God and you raised your hand because that, that was heaven and you know, it's, 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 your life will go better and it's rainbows and skittles and puppies and all of a sudden you, your expectations weren't met and you didn't realize it's hard to follow Jesus. It's, it's hard to do the right thing when, it's, when everyone else is doing the wrong thing. It's hard to be honest in business. Heck, it's hard to be honest in relationships. Jesus says the kingdom of God is violent. You've got you to be hardcore to do this stuff. He says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Oh, man, this language. I can't tell you how powerful this language is. And when John the Baptist hears this, the, the people, first of all, were like, wait, are you saying G John the Baptist is Elijah? No, what, what the prophecy was was that Elijah was going to return, and John the Baptist is a type of an Elijah bringing in the kingdom of God. And that's why he says, if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Whoever has ears, let him hear. This is... Jesus, if he had a microphone, he would have dropped it right then. I mean, that is, he's like Jesus out. This is a huge statement to say. In other words, John, I know you're in prison. I know it wasn't your fault. I know you have doubts. I'm not coming to get you. But I want you to know it was worth it. And I'm going to see you again. And he goes into this thing, which I just, I, I, don't, I don't know if I ha have time to get into it all, but when I read this, I just picture America. <laughs> uh, I love America, don't get me wrong. But I think so much of what Jesus is about to say is so typical of our current culture. It's so typical of social media and just, just the way things are, the climate of the way things are right now. And don't read too much into that uh, if you're on one side or the other of the fence. I, I, don't, I, I don't care. I, I don't even... Here's what he says. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace calling out to others. Tweeting, retweeting, posting, reposting, sharing. Like kids. Oh, I didn't like that. Here's, here's what they say. We played the pipe for you, and you didn't dance. We sang the dirge, and you didn't mourn. In other words, you're not meeting our expectations. We, we posted something that was funny, and you read it wrong. We, we don't, you're not meeting our expectations. We, you're not being sad at the things that I'm sad at. You're not being happy at the things I'm being happy at. And Jesus is like, man... The kingdom of God is so much richer, so much fuller, 
so much more violent, so much more, like, needs commitment. It's not a hashtag. It's not a bumper sticker. It's not 144 characters. And, 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 and he goes, he goes he, John didn't meet your expectations. And, and then I did what, what you didn't like John for. And John, uh, uh, and then I didn't meet your expectations. He says, for John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he's got a demon. The son of man, which is Jesus, came eating and drinking. And they say, He's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. What Jesus is saying is, it doesn't matter. Your expectations are wrong. You could say, I want, I want Jesus to do this thing and the church to do this thing or I want my relationship with God to look like this. Do you want God to meet your expectations or do you want to meet God? I wonder as we head into this week, if it's possible in the midst of whatever we go through, and some of you, you haven't hit it yet. It, it might actually hit this week or next or in the coming year. To where you sit there and you go, man, I read my Bible every day. I, I had my quiet time. I tithed. That's 10 percent of all my money that's got to be worth something he's got to he's got to like kind of throw me a bone for something maybe just get like well, i don't know four percent of that back like at least discover card does that for me like i've i've brought people to christ i've i've witnessed i've 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 stood up when things weren't right and i've stood up for justice how could this be happening to me this happened to me. Um, most of you know our story. Um, but, you know, we, we were in business and doing great, and God called us into ministry, and I'm so happy he did. I'll, I love it. So we sell our home, and I take on a church, this amazing church in Garden Grove. I'll have to tell you about it. It's called Living Spring. Oh, it's wonderful. Okay, uh, and, then, and then our son gets diagnosed with epilepsy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I quit my job for God. I took a pay cut for God. I took a church for God, changed my career, and my son has epilepsy. Hmm. I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you I had many conversations with that same God going, dude, come on. Seriously? There were some seizures where I'm just like literally holding him going, dude, enough. Enough. But I'm here to tell you, it's odd, but I met God in that situation. And it's not just because the seizures have stopped and we had the brain surgery and it was successful. I mean, that, don't get me wrong. I will I would never want to go back, ever. I, I love comfort. I, I, I love comfort food. I like comfortable couches. I love comfort. But it's also part of my story now. It's part of me now. And when I talk to somebody who's going through something, I have a gift. 
this gift of empathy that I wouldn't have had before. My counseling to people is different in my office. I'm different. My wife is different. Our family is different. But it felt many times that we were in that prison. And I'm like, really, man? Is it you or should I just look for something else? Run to something else? Should I just, you want me to just go back into business? Because I can, I can do that. I don't know if that, I don't, I don't know what you want from me. And for you, it might be your marriage right now. You feel trapped. You feel like there's no hope. And you're like, God, I've been faithful all this time. I've been committed all this time. And the wheels are falling off. I, I don't know what God's asking you to do. That's in your situation. But then I just say, maybe just a little longer. Maybe it's something with your family. Maybe you have a, a child that's walked away from the Lord. And you're like, man, we did everything. Every Sunday, we brought them to Sunday school. They heard about Jesus every single Sunday. We were good parents. We were like even like cool Christian parents. Like we, we, we didn't make it such a legalistic thing. And we brought them to church, and we went to church, and we tried to model it in the home, and we put up, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord uh, in our living room, and we played Chris Tomlin all day. I mean, we just did everything. And they're like, man, I don't, I don't believe in God. And you're going, God, what is this? Can't you just sh- send an angel, like show up at their house, knock on the door? He said, I knock on the door. Like, just why don't you really knock on the door and like talk to him for a little bit. But hang in there. Don't, don't get off your knees for those kids. Because you never know when all of a sudden he will knock on the door. And your faithful prayers and your faithfulness is going to be a part of that. He's going to say, well done. Maybe you're in a place with your finances right now and you're thinking, man, I don't know how we're going to handle this. I don't know what we're going to do. We might have to sell the house. I love that house. And you're saying, I, I, I just I don't, I, I have... I don't, I don't know why God would do this. We've always given. Just hang in there. Hang tight. God, do you want to meet God? Or do you want him to meet your expectations?